0: Today's episode is brought to you by MSI. MSI recently released the all-new Creator 17 laptop, the first mini LED display of its kind. Basically, it delivers high-quality, true-to-life color accuracy for visual artists that you won't find in another laptop. If you're a content creator looking for a device to bring your creations to life, look no further than the MSI Creator 17. What is going on world and welcome to the first episode of the AOV podcast in 2020. We're live at CES 2020 at the MSI booth uh, doing a live podcast here with today's guest, Kevin Cardoza, aka Kevin the Kid. Welcome to the show. What's up, brother? Thanks for
1: having me, man. Absolutely enjoying the time so far since being at CES. First timer here, and man, it's surreal. It is crazy.
0: What have you, so we haven't had a chance to really walk around and and check out all of CES yet, considering today it started, but yesterday we did get around, uh, checked out a few things uh, because of the media passes. What did you think about the Sony event last night?
1: Oh, Sony was incredible. Those, Those headphones they're putting out, and correct me, they're the
0: The XM threes, the Sony XM threes, XM threes, 360
1: audio. Holy crap! (laughs) I mean, you were literally standing in a room, a convention center, full of people. You put these on, and it's as if you're transported somewhere else. You can't hear anyone except the music that's being played, and it feels like you're in the center of. I mean, when I put on this one rock song, I literally felt like I was in the center of a rock concert.
0: Dude, it it was it was super cool. Yeah, I uh, I was bumping a little Marvin Gaye. Yeah, so was I. Yeah, it was, it was suggested. Well, dude, that's what I start with. Welcome. I'm super stoked to be here with you. For those of you that don't know, Kevin is a fantastic friend of mine. He was on our latest series, AOV To The Point. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure to check out our IGTV uh, and look for the episode with Kevin the Kid. You know, get familiar with his work. It's a really, really rad episode. Uh, he talks about conceptual photography and how to go about creating conceptual photography. and We'll probably jump into a little bit of that today, but to get us started, why don't you start off by giving the AOV community a little bit more background on yourself, Kevin?
1: All right, yeah. So um, I started photography six years ago back in 2014. When I started, it was a 365 project. I, you know, kind of went zero to 100. I was like, if I'm going to become a photographer, I might as well just dive in and do it to the max, uh, that was a tedious process, um, and project. I think I only finished about a month late. Um, yeah, it was a month or two, something like that. I I definitely went over 365 days, but, uh, the project, even when I started then dealt with, um, you know, mental depression and social anxieties and then how technology uh, affects our culture to this day. And I've always kind of kept those themes with me. They've definitely changed and evolved at different times. And then recently, uh, just this past year of 2019, I'm putting out my first ever book and my first true series, which is titled Stay Inside and Don't Let the Dreams Out.
0: Dude, that is epic. When is that? uh, Do you have an idea when that's coming out this year? It'll either be
1: the end of February or beginning of March. Ooh,
0: I'm putting you on the spot. End of February, early March? Yep, yep. Yep. All right, bro. You better deliver. You got to be like Tesla.
1: (laughs) I know, right? Um, I'm going to show up in a... (laughs) Maybe the book might fall apart or something <laughs> while presenting it, but it'll be
0: okay. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm really excited. What was the inspiration behind the book?
1: So, the inspiration behind the book, in 2018, I went through easily what was one of the most trying and difficult years of my life, and my work had, I felt, stopped being a representation of who I am, and... I didn't like the work that I had created between the years of 2017 and 2018. And I just wanted to get back to my roots of doing things that actually have a story, a purpose, a meaning, and mean something to me. And that's the promise I made when I went into 2019. I said that I was going to make this 50-image series. It was all going to deal with real issues from my past or things that I feel I'm seeing in today's world. And one by one, the concepts started coming together as I would sketch them out. And now it's evolved into this beast and was, you know, a lot of fun. Ended up, the project won Best, what was it? Best Digitally Enhanced Photography at the International Photography Awards. Um, Congrats. Thank you, yeah. It also, one of the pieces from the project was in Beautiful Bazaars um, Top 25 for their uh, Art Prize Award. So there was just a lot of recognition that came with the project. Uh, that I've never experienced up until this year, or well, technically now last year as we're in the beginning of 2020. And it, it it was surreal. It was really something else. And I'm looking forward to, you know, bringing that project to an end and putting it out and then moving on to the next one. I think, you know, as creators, we're just kind of one of those things, like you get through a project, maybe you take a month off and then you just go right back into a new project.
0: Right. So 50 images, various concepts, It's not 50 different concepts, is it? Okay, so is there, out of the 50 images, is there like a reoccurring theme? Yeah, I'd
1: say kind of what I mentioned a little bit earlier, the reoccurring theme definitely is social anxiety and that feeling of, you know, being alone in a crowded room. There's a few images that all pertain to a theme of that. Um, Kind of crippling, like falling back into that social anxiety, like a crippling social anxiety feeling. And that's like, you know... At times, the weight of the world on you, you're feeling like you're on fire and you're burning just because so much is happening or you're overwhelmed or whatever the situation is that you're going through. And then I also have another ones where, you know, how technology, which is, you know, as we're here at CES, you see all this incredible technology that is being made at a rapid pace.
0: It's insane.
1: Yeah. To where I think us as humans, we're still getting adapted to the pace that technology is created and how quickly it's advancing. And um, it's cool to see as, you know, every year passes, I think we're getting a better understanding in how to cope and deal with that and use it as a tool and not as a crutch.
0: So with the uh, social anxiety and the feeling alone in a room, where does that, where did the inspiration come from that? Is it a personal thing that you've experienced or uh, is it based off of something else, like what you see?
1: I would say it's a mixture of both and stories that I hear from other people too. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, for me, for sure, especially when I was going through, you know, one of the darker times in my life and here you could be in a crowded elevator or a bus, whatever it is, and you're just in this really dark place and you feel like you can't talk to anyone because of these, you know, societal norms that it's kind of strange for a stranger to just start talking to you. People, you know, sometimes get weirded out by that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's where that feeling comes from when, really, I do believe most people would be open to helping an individual, you know, especially going through like mental, you know, depression or anything that falls in those lines. Um, but we're scared to reach out. And I think in, then from the other person's perspective, if you notice someone like that, you're also scared to reach out because you don't want to offend them and be like, Hey, stranger, I don't know. Are you feeling okay? Right. But sometimes that can go a long ways and really help someone.
0: Most definitely. So back to these, these themes. So, anxiety, depression, feeling alone in a room. What were some of the themes on the more technical side of, you know, you had images with cell phones and social media, uh, and obviously social media has has caused, has brought a lot of joy to people, and uh, I think it's also brought a lot of pain. Without a doubt, yeah. Do you want to speak on that?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, just like anything, uh, when it comes to tech, social media, in my in my opinion, falls into that same line as it's a tool and it's not something that we should use in an abundance. Uh, and I think that's what happens is people get bored, open up their social media apps, they start scrolling through them. And here are these essentially kind of like fake curated lives. I don't want to necessarily say they're fake, but we're only showing people, most of us on social media, the best version of ourselves. So from the outsider perspective, like if I'm looking at everyone's social media, I'm just like, dang, look at every single one of these people. They all look so happy. They look overjoyed. And then here I might be on that particular day having a bad day. And then you get that kind of feeling. I wish I was this other person or I was wishing I was living their life because clearly they have it all figured out and I don't. Right. And it's unfortunate that that cra- happens because that's not the truth. You know, the actual truth is we're all human. So we're all going through different things. Different times, different emotions, but everyone has their ups and downs. You wouldn't be human if you're just up always.
0: Right. You little robot.
1: Little robot. Yeah. And I mean, same if you're, you know, down always and there's, you know, people that when you suffer from depression, you can get into that path where it's down all the time. Right. And it's so, so important. I think most importantly is to help change your mindset is also changing your surroundings. Because if you have people around you that only see from the positive outlook, even when they're having a bad day and they still see the positives, mm-hmm. it's easy to start to change that mindset yourself. I remember I made an image where it's a, a guy looking up and then there's a bunch of people in raincoats looking down at their phones. And the caption I used for it was, I see all these smiles in a piece of glass, how I wish it was me. And the idea is, you know, here we are just constantly looking at these phones, seeing this curated thing. And it does create this perception of you want what you don't have and not understanding that like the blessings you do have and all the good things that are in your life. For sure. You know, I mean to use the most typical one, if you're healthy, there's a lot of people out there who aren't healthy who don't have like you know, like that are going through whether that's cancer or any of these other things, and I you know, we just take for granted like all the little things that we have.
0: Dude, I I feel like would you would you compare social like social media? addiction and and, and and exploitation to like porn addiction um i, I, would say I almost you, feel like it's the new porn you know kind uh, of in a, yeah. in, in a weird way like yes i some say, people yeah
1: yes and no in the sense of um i definitely think there's uh, some form of addiction there because for instance you make a post and let's say you get, let's say you normally never even get like 200, 300 likes. And all of a sudden you get it and you get like 200, 300. There's this like shot of dopamine that where you're just like, whoa, I'm like dope, but it's so brief and it's not real. You know, it's not the same feeling as, um, I don't know. Whenever you help someone genuinely like out of your thing where you have no things like you're trying to benefit from, like, I'm just going to help. And then like that person's you know, comes back, oh, my God, thank you. Like, you, you know, there's this, like, weird tingle you get inside, and I feel like that's lasting. Right. It's different than the, the social media fix that we get. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's definitely aspects, because, like, a lot of my work always pertains to the bad. But there's so many, you know, beautiful benefits of it. I just think it's about using it in moderation and in balance.
0: Right. So what did you personally do to kind of cope with some of these things that you were experiencing as an artist?
1: Well first and foremost I just stopped using like stop checking in as much. I would, you know, I set a, my time depending on like if you're a creator depending on how much you're posting and you know the content that you're putting out. I think it's it's good to maintain, hey, if you post your image and you want to interact with your audience, interact within that first hour of posting cuz that's like the time when it's best to help the algorithm anyways. Then mm-hmm. after that put your phone away and go enjoy your day for the rest of the day and let it happen and then maybe at night you do another half hour to an hour just get responses if that's if you want to be socially active i know there's a lot of creators out there they post and then they're done like they're just like i'm not even going to bother to write back to anything or anyone right so it just depends on you know that's like a personal preference but i think the thing is instead of it's just building better habits in the aspect of if you catch yourself when you're bored and the first thing you do is pull out your phone and open Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, whatever it is, just as like a habit because you're uncomfortable. Like let's say you're in the elevator and it's you and one other person. Instead of saying hi, you're like, oh, oh I'm awkward. Let me just pull out my phone and uh, this. And then you just check out. Right. And then once you just check out from this, kind of like from the world that's around you and you're just looking at these things, you're really just setting yourself to be more distant from the – real people that you could very well interact with at that moment. Right. And then you're alienate, alienating yourself and it stinks. It's it's sad to see because I know there's a lot of people who, you know, will also say in the, in the denial sense, oh, that's not me. That's not me. And then you look at like their Instagram usage and it's six hours a day or something. Right. And, you, and I always thought that's a funny thing that now that social medias are even making that available that you can track the time that you're on it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what that solves, right? Like, right. Other than now now it's in your face. So maybe, I guess maybe it'll cause some more self-reflection when someone opens up their screen time and they're like, oh my gosh. Like, right. Especially if they don't realize. I'm sure there's so many people that spend hours and hours a day on social media and have no idea that they're spending that much time right. on social media until they open up one of these apps. And so, uh, you know, I guess there's there's definitely some positive to it. But let's take a step back and... What is, for those at home that aren't familiar with conceptual photography, what is conceptual photography?
1: Uh, conceptual photography, I think, can take on a lot of different meanings. But for me, it's, um, it's an image that you're constructing, in my opinion, prior to shooting. So this is going to be, um, and it's usually like an abstract or surreal concept, you know, or um, an in-depth composition. So it's usually telling some form of story. I mean, I think you could maybe classify conceptual photography in a form of abstract photography too, depending on like who you ask. Right. But uh, for me, it's definitely the you know surreal image that is telling a story that has multiple elements in it that's not like a standard, if I just pulled out my camera and, you know, started shooting, because then you'd kind of classify that as like lifestyle, for instance, like if I just started shooting my friends and people. Right. So, um, yeah, I'd say that's for kind of like what it is for me anyways.
0: What's your creative process look like um, from start to finish when you have an idea to finish product?
1: So for me, usually there it'll vary. There'll be times where, you know, you can just be walking around, listening to music, doing whatever and I'll get hit with an idea or then there'll be days where I purposely set aside almost like in a meditative kind of way where I just put on some music and I'll just relax knowing I'm going in with the idea to formulate ideas to make photos. Mm-hmm. Once the idea is born in the brain, I usually sketch it down. And then from there, once it's sketched, I'll figure out everything that I need to complete so the photo. So what do you mean
0: by sketch it down?
1: So I'll open a notebook and literally draw in like my crappy stick figure way. Like what the image is going to look like Love and that. how I see it in my head. And like um, sometimes when you, you know, giving yourself, even if you can't draw like me and you just make stick figures, giving yourself that visual representation can sometimes tell you right away if you like it or not or if you want to change the angle or this because like you might see it in your head and then put it on paper. And you're like, eh, it might actually be better if I shot it this way or, you know, maybe made the camera come up and we're looking down at the subject as opposed to straight on. Right. And so once you have that nailed down, then I kind of build out, Because like when I'm concepting the ideas in my mind, I'll see colors and stuff, but when I've actually got the image laid out, then I kind of start thinking of the colors in a more advanced way of what's going to complement each other. Um, Like, for instance, in this past project, the Stay Inside project, I really fell in love with yellow and black because I think they're just so great contrasting colors. So there's a lot of yellow and black color
0: themes in mind. Just like straight yellow?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where I'd
0: use a... You got a specific Pantone. Like, is it a...
1: Oh, no, I, I, I'll i jump there. I think if you put them all my yellow images side by side, I think each one's different, like, yeah. <laughs> of what yellow it is. Um, but just that color tone is, is really cool. And then another one I really like, I always have, like, blues. And then um, kind of, like, soft blue, white, and browns mixed together. Mm-hmm. So once I figure out the colors that are going to go with it and the props that I'm going to need to acquire all the things. And sometimes they might require like a mask. And mm. so I craft and do all my own crafting as well. So then I'll go. So where did
0: you learn how to I've seen your mask. Your masks right. are incredible. How right. did you, uh, like, how did you learn that? Uh, just YouTube? Or no, <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's it, buying hot glue and just start gluing stuff. And then you start evolving. Like I, I think, you know, over time I started to watch some YouTube videos but when I first started, I remember I grabbed a bunch of sticks and was sitting in my living room and I had a hot glue gun and I was just like, I'm just going to start gluing these together and see what happens. And yeah. then I just kind of made this wicked looking mask that kind of looked like Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is wicked. And then, you know, then you start developing from there and you try playing with other mediums and styles, you know. So then uh, recently I've gone into like liquid latex
0: nice. and
1: um, prosthetics and things like that. And I'd love to... Sounds
0: kinky, dude. I know, right? Latex. <laughs> Latex, prosthetics. prosthetics.
1: It's getting, it weird on my Saturdays. A little AI. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Saturday nights is a weird time. Sometimes I'll, because uh, I also will do, like, in the photos, maybe I'll paint myself, paint myself all blue. Sometimes, you know, you end up painting yourself all blue, and then the image doesn't come out how you want it, and you realize, you know, you're just like, oh, what's from the rest of development? I just blew myself today. Sweet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but... I'll oh, go ahead oh, so I was just gonna say so you then create the assets any any yep. any you know mask or various items that will need to be involved in the production and then from there you
1: and then from there so um, for instance just pertaining into my last project the stand side project all the background images are shot at a different time so it's usually been when I'm traveling or if like I think of something that I need specifically I'll go find that image and then shoot it and then once you have your background image i shoot all my subjects in my studio and it's all self portraits so essentially i just shoot myself in my studio but what i'll do is i take the background and let's say it's a guy walking through the field and the sun's coming from the left side i'll make sure you know i set up my lights and everything to complement that so it's coming from the left side so the subject is going to match the background lighting wise already mm-hmm. and then once you bring it you know once you shoot the the subject and now you've got essentially your pieces then i go into photoshop and that's when, essentially, before I even touch anything on a coloring level, I just build. So you start building the image from adding your subject in. If you need to add any other stuff to the foreground, whatever it ends up being, or you want to add some trees or a different sky, whatever it is, you get all of that built. And then step by step, I start to color it to where they match.
0: Gotcha. So by build, you mean uh, like compositing yes. the the various elements that create the finished image?
1: That's exactly it. Yeah. So taking each asset placing it in the image to where let's say when it's done we'll call it the first edit is done there's no coloring so it still looks kind of wacky but now you've got the positioning all there where you're like okay this is what the image will look like the subject's here in the middle i've got a guy in the background there's a bird flying around here cool it's great now let's make it all look like it's in the same world
0: all right and so to quickly recap your your creative process for your conceptual photography Step one is more or less birthing the idea. Step two is getting uh, the idea out on paper, drawing what the photograph might look like, whether you're an artist or a stick figure guy, doesn't really matter. Potentially putting uh, where the lighting source is going to come uh, from. That way you can make sure to map that out uh, later and while you're doing the actual production shoot. Step three, coming up with the colors that you want to use in the image. Step four, creating the various assets, masks, bringing the elements together, clothing, right. outfits, all that good stuff, location. And then step five, building the image out in Photoshop by adding various compositing elements. And then the last step is actually coloring the image to get the finished stylized look that you're going for.
1: Exactly. That's literally the six, we'll call it the six stages. The, but yeah, that's that's every single one of them. And then, you know, back on the uh, asset aspect of it sometimes I'll even grab um prior to the shoot like let's say there's some trees I'll just go on a stock site and find trees you know that are already shot and then I just know like when I have my background image like I just need to find a tree that matches that so I try to get everything on that end complete before I go into shooting the subject that's kind of the last part of the assets slash shooting part and okay. then you go into the the edit
0: Dude, we got we gotta trademark the process.
1: I know, right? I don't have any <laughs> clever names for it yet, though. I'll
0: think about it. The, the uh, six cabin, the six, the, the six forms of cabin, the six forms of cabin. Um, I think of like a martial arts movie. Let's discuss how you even got into photography in the first place.
1: I got into photography in the first place. So before that, I was shooting uh, independent rap videos for a various. You were a, tra- you, were,
0: you were a trap shooter.
1: I was I was a
0: trap shooter. So for those of you that know don't know, cavin has been shooting music videos on DSLR cameras since like what 2009, 2010, ten, 2010, 2010. 2010. Yeah. So, Cav, the an OG. Like, <laughs> and they were, bro. Your videos were good even back then.
1: I mean, uh, I don't think they probably aged well, but
0: for the time, yeah, they were fun. <laughs> I mean, outside of. Outside of uh, a few wild transitions, I think yeah. I think they I think they look just okay.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it was it was it was fun and it served its purpose. <laughs> um, but no, what ended up happening is I moved to Los Angeles, and it was the second time of living in L.A. and just um, constant kind of competitive nature that I was faced with, and this weird thing. And that's what kind of bums me out sometimes is people don't give what's the right way to put it essentially like if you haven't created something of any substantial worth people then kind of discredit you in certain places and that's really like shouldn't be the case like you know it doesn't matter what you've done like people are people we should all care about each other but like I definitely felt this kind of rejection and then when I would shoot these rap videos um, as fun as they were, I never really got to get across concepts that I wanted to get across. You know, I pitch my weird off the wall stuff and people kind of look at me and being like, especially like when you're making trap videos, you're just like, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not trying to do that. Like, I'm just trying to have a bunch of girls in this video but and like nah, throw a rager. No,
0: nah, bro. I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking a few baddies in some twenties Right some cash.
1: <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> we're, we're making this music video for the 90th time. Um... But, you know, again, uh, at that time, that was like what I was doing for a career. So to keep paying the bills, had to keep doing those videos. And But I needed this outlet. And especially as that was like the first bout of depression I really faced where I, I truly got in a pretty dark place. And I remember the very first image I ever shot, even though it wasn't the first one I released in the 365 project, was I just got overwhelmed with emotions and literally cried in the shower like that actually happened just sobbing in the shower you finished no well this is the very first photo I ever did as a self-portrait so I brought the camera in not knowing what I was going to do and I just started crying and so then I just started shooting the emotions because I wanted people to see the real raw aspect of it and so when I did that it's this me kind of cuddled up like almost in like the fetal position in the bathtub Mm. and tears streaming down my face and that was the photo and I don't know when I got done there was this it was almost like a sense of therapy where like I I got rid of all those emotions and like encapsulated them into this image. So it left me and went into something else. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Voldemort when he like spreads himself over the seven things in Harry Potter, the horoscopes <laughs> or whatever they're called. No, horoscopes. not horoscopes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, horocruxes. Sorry for any Harry Potter fans. Whoops. <laughs> um, but horoscopes, That's going to make me laugh, but no. And then from there, like I felt so inspired that that was It was at, actually at that moment when I was like, okay, I'm going to make this a 365 project because I had actually seen other photographers from a long time ago, and you remember this, when there was that show Framed, Yep. I used to work for them, yep. and uh, that was before I was ever going to con- even consider doing photography, but I got to meet all these dope photographers and see their processes and styles, and I remember there was a couple of tarvers that were like, yeah, I did a 365 project. And I was like, well, what's that? And they're like, oh, it's just where you shoot a photo every day. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Fast forward to that moment, I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, let's just do you know, a photo every day and really try and learn and push myself each day to shoot something new, learn a different style, but yet maintain what I actually want to shoot, which always ends up usually being like darker, weird, or strange stuff.
0: All right. That's, uh, dude, that's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, what it means to you to be a content creator in 2020? Because you've been in this space for over a decade now. You've seen a lot of change. What does it mean to you to be a creator in 2020? Um,
1: I think to be a creator in 2020, for me personally, because I think each creator has a different path and a different, you know, thing that they're trying to convey or what they want to do. For me it's going to be um, relaunching my tutorials. So I'm going to start releasing tutorials again for everyone doing another photo project. That'll be 12 images. Essentially it'll break down to roughly like an image a month, but they're going to be large production shoots. So we're talking full hair and makeup, styling, set design, set build, you know, all of it. Whereas in the before it was so just based around me. And so now I want to incorporate the team. And I think, That's just kind of like the thing going forward for me is incorporating now that I got this very deeply personal project out of the way. Now, how do I go into a world where I can share with everyone and essentially do things in all group levels and, you know, just encouraging other creators to follow the path that they want to follow and stay true to their integrity and what they want to accomplish, Um, kind of playing into that social media thing. I think sometimes we get trapped into the feeling of you see some. Photographer that you like on Instagram, you know, for a photographer creative, and they're like, "Oh, I really like that person's work. I feel like for my work to get popular, I have to do this. I have to do what they're doing." And not understanding, you know, each of us, and we were talking about this, you know, not on the podcast, but prior, like, what makes us so unique is you. Like that—that is what it is. So, if you're not going to be true to your voice, then you're not going to be authentic. You're going to get watered down and fall into something that. People have already seen, and it's so hard to stay that way. And because I'm sure when you first start, it probably isn't going to pop off like everyone wants it to. <laughs> we have to be okay with that, you just have to understand that you know. Definitely look at what works for you and what doesn't, and then improve on the things that work. But stay true to your voice. Right. But I think you know being a creator in 2020 is so exciting because the amount of technology that is available at our fingertips that can make creating. So, I don't want to say easy, but it's now really leaving it up to your the creative mind, as opposed to the tools are starting to get easier and easier to use. Right. So now it's just solely like how conceptual and how thought out can you get with your work, how in depth, how meticulous do you want to be?
0: Right. It's kind of crazy. You're right. I mean, we're sitting here at the MSI booth. We got we're surrounded by technology right now. We just have you know walk through checking out all the new devices the CPU power, the graphics cards that they're putting in these computers to power the software that we're utilizing to create the stuff that we're creating. And AI, like Luminar, you know, Luminar has all these AI sky replacement, AI portrait enhance for skin and all this stuff. And, and you're right, everyone's going to be able to create anything. The cool thing, I think, about where we're at is... Now that the technology the hardware the software is up to speed we can go further as creators so many creators are still playing on the surface level right well, of, 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 of what these what they can do with these tools uh, and I think we're gonna see an insane shift over the next decade of our idea of what content even is
1: I totally agree and I think and there's um, you're already seeing it shift now in the aspect of there's a lot of people who are resistant to accepting the fact that the phone is going to essentially be in the next ten years the multi-purpose, all-in-one. It it is your Swiss Army knife. The phone has got the camera, and like every year, the the cameras get more and more and more insane to where you know they I mean realistically, especially if you get some lens attachments, you're competing with DSLRs at at certain levels, you know, and to create content, especially, like, if you're creating it on a fast pace, you need to get it turned around. Being able to have that just on your phone, you get a little gimbal for your phone, and now you can just go and start shooting, you know, great movies. I think of um, the commercial Apple recently did for their iPhone 11. It's uh, by the director of the John Wick films, The snowball one? The snowball fight, Yeah. yeah. And that whole thing's shot on an iPhone, and it looks incredible it does
0: yeah granted and i mean i'm sure that yeah. i saw the bts they had a bunch of hollywood yeah there's there's yeah and, and there's lighting. professional lighting but none, and all that nonetheless still on a cam- on the a image
1: phone was yes essentially on a phone yeah and that's saying it's okay in the sense like if you, if you're going to be a creator you're probably still going to get studio lights and you know all the little other things but now instead of like having to go drop that 4 or 5000 dollars on a camera if you don't have that money Almost every single person, you know, whether you're, you know, high income or even on the lower income side, excuse me, all still get the top of the line phone because the way cell phone providers have set it up, they're just like, oh, well, for an extra $14 on your monthly bill, you can pay this thing off. So you're like, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to get the iPhone 11. Right. And so people start getting these phones and now they've got editing softwares to, you know. I swear, it's like every day I get told about another editing software that I didn't know about. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I open that one, I'm like, this is amazing.
0: <laughs> like how I put you on Darker. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I realized that I can't get it for my Galaxy and yeah. was really disappointed. I
0: know. It's such a bummer. <laughs> um,
1: but, you know, I see so many things to create. And, I, I mean, there's even, you know, some Instagram photographers that are out there right now that are popping off. and. Like I was telling you before, their images don't even touch a computer. Mm. They just shoot it on the phone, edit it on the phone, and then they upload, and people are loving it.
0: Even filmmakers. I mean, you got filmmakers like Andy. <coughs> you got filmmakers like you know Andy, too, and he's out there killing it. And right. he's shooting all types of uh, films on the iPhone 11. Right. And this is a guy who traditionally was always shooting on his Sony Uh and, and, and putting out, you know, traditional content from his mirrorless or DSLR camera. And he's putting more and more and more content shot on iPhone.
1: Right. I mean, um, I'm about to, and I told you this before, I'm launching my second Instagram that's going to pertain to like all my other style photography. And I'd say like 60 to 70% of that is probably phone photography that I shot and edited on my phone just because you can get such phenomenal lighting in, in a really quick way. You know where it's just you bust it out and you pull open, especially now that they've added the wide-angle lens. Right. I mean, that was I <laughs> that was the first game-changing thing I've seen in a minute. Where I was just like, "Wow, this is so
0: cool!" And and the image stabilization is insane, insane, on, almost like on all the cameras now. Because even on yeah. the Galaxy, yeah, 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 you showed me last night, insane. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean the the Galaxy Ten. I mean, I'm a big believer that you know Samsung and Apple are just kind of trading blows in the sense like. Like the iPhone 11 out right now, I guarantee you when the Samsung Galaxy 11 comes out, the camera will be better than the iPhone's 11, and then they'll put out the 12, which will be better than. And there's just this back and forth, right. you know. Our camera's better than yours. No, it's not. Right. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I, th-
0: I think yeah. I feel like obviously they have the technology to push things forward, but I, th- I think I think they all communicate to some extent and, and keep the incremental change so that they can all make their money on the iterative. Devices in between. Without a doubt. (laughs) You know?
1: But the thing that I think would be interesting, and I wouldn't be surprised, is if cell phones from 10 years from this moment that we're sitting here would double in price, if not maybe even more. Like an iPhone 11, I could really, or like an iPhone, we'll call it like by that time like iPhone 19, could very well be like a $3,000 piece of technology.
0: Could be, or it could be that people, like people still get really like... It's not as bad as it used to be. Remember back in the day, like no one would pay for an app. Like it was no. like eat. Like I'm not paying for. It'd be like three bucks, like $2.99 right. $2. and people would throw fit. Now I think it's it's uh, it's a lot more normal for people to purchase apps. I think the app store is going to explode. I think the value of what you're able to do on the apps is going to increase, and I think they're, you're going to see just how we spend thousands of dollars on software without a doubt. I think you're going to you know see people with their phones. You know, with thousands of dollars of apps and add-ons and and, and various things. I mean,
1: another perfect example of that that's already happened, and you see it right now is there used to be cable, like television, cable television. It was what eighty bucks a month or something, roughly, to have all these channels. Right. Then Netflix came out, and they were the first streaming service, so everyone just like kind of stopped getting cable because they're like, oh, I can just get Netflix, and I'll have all these shows and stuff. It's only cost me when Netflix first came out. I think it was like seven or eight ninety nine. So here, you know, you got like. You went from $80 to like $9. Now fast forward and every company on the planet seems to be making a streaming service. Now I talk to friends and they'll be like, Oh, well I have HBO. I have Amazon. I have Netflix. I have Hulu. I have Disney plus. I have NBC. And you're like, dang, like what's all then they're like, Oh, I'm probably paying you like anywhere from like 80 to a hundred dollars a month in streaming services. And you're like, Oh, so we've just replaced cable with streaming services. Right. And I think the same thing will be with apps where, You know, originally we would never consider, like you said, paying for apps. And the next thing you know, not only will you have whatever your cell phone bill is, on top of that, you'll be paying, you know, like 50, especially if you're a creator, like 50 to 100, maybe even more dollars a month just to have all these apps so you can use them to their fullest potential.
0: For sure. And even outside of the software side of things, I even think the hardware, like the device is going to be used for everything, right? Like, I mean, I use my phone for almost everything now. Your camera, your video camera your computer your your everything station i think there's going to be all types of hardware devices that allow you to basically turn the phone into whatever you need to right. do right i mean to be was, the ultimate tool that was like when i was telling you when i would when I, I was doing my is, my yeah. show
1: photo forge and my i didn't have a mic at the time so my phone actually had a pretty good mic so i literally duct taped it to a light stand and would use it as a boom right, and the sure. audio was great so i mean it really is like a multifaceted Tool And I mean, and the more, and that's what I was kind of saying, the more we stop using it as, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but in the sense where we become obsessed with the things that don't serve us. And that's just randomly scrolling Facebook for an hour and reading a bunch of memes. That's not actually doing anything for you or, or, you know, helping you in any way. But there is so many things where it's like, you know, if you find yourself getting bored and you want to be on your phone pull open an an app and download it and teach yourself that app. Usually most apps are pretty simple within you spend 30 minutes to an hour on it. You're going to be an expert on it. Right. So it's just like pull open the app, play around with it, get familiar. And now that's another tool set that you can add to the arsenal that you're creating as a creator. I think the thing that um, limits a creator is when you become stagnant, when you become to the point where you're like, you know what? I know. I know enough. I don't need to know more. My stuff's good. You know, and then now that just once you become stagnant, you've got all these other people who are hungry and are gonna constantly continue to create. And in the creative world, and that's what I think we were talking about this a while ago, but like creators versus artists is two different things. I think an artist will create for different reasons, usually more like emotional driven. Mm. Um, so there might not be as deep of, like, a marketing plan involved there, too. Right. Whereas, like, a creator, if you're trying to, like, truly make this, like, a career and you're going to benefit financially from being a creator, it's a competitive world. Everyone out there is so talented now because of the tools that are given. So you have to just continuously learn and evolve with the times so you will get left behind.
0: Right. It's almost like artists, too. Like, I mean, I guess artists make things for other people, but they they make them oftentimes... From within, right? From right. their own expression. Uh, and then it becomes a gift to people. Where creators, I feel like, are more of a cross between an artist and an entertainer. Without a doubt. You know? And so, yeah, they're, they're expressing themselves. And, and they're, creativity, they're creative. But at the same time, they're very much so making this stuff for an audience. And, you know, with that comes a whole other game. And I think it's, I think it's exciting. It's a really fun time to to be a creator because there's right. so many opportunities to express yourself artistically, but to also build an audience and, you know, I grow mean, your brand and, yeah. and do amazing things.
1: I don't even mean this in like a narcissistic way, but it, I really do believe this particular time in history is in my opinion, I think it's going to be one of the most fascinating times in the history of mankind. Even when we get into the future and tech continues to evolve because from around the nineties to now, the last 30 years, the amount of changes and at the pace that it happened. And it's like the birth of the creator. The creator didn't exist before that. There was, right. you know, you had directors and photographers and artists and all, all these different mediums. But, the, you know, with the internet and then with social media, it created this whole new realm that needed to be done. And so now you're seeing stuff. I mean, every single day I see so much talent that it, it blows my mind that it's it's kind of the, the second renaissance.
0: Dude, it, it most Definitely in the second renaissance.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's you, – you can – the amount of art and, like, people who are so good at it, at such a large quantity of people. Right. You're not limited to back in the past, like in the first renaissance, you still had all these people who were creating, but it was still limited. Well, now, I mean, every You got to have a person. lot more funding.
0: Right. So the two things we chatted about the other day, would artists need inspiration and funding. Right. So during the renaissance, you had patrons that would fund these projects. Now, because the tools have brought down the price of creating in the first place, you don't necessarily need as much funding. Granted, the ideas I think are maybe bigger depending on how you're going about creating the content, and lots of ideas do need funding, right? Uh, but I think that's a major difference,
1: yeah. But I think also the other thing, too, now is you know, brands, um, you know, for instance, even like MSI and stuff, they're now more willing to work with creators because they see this influx of content and it's just you know you can hire and get and work with creators to help them convey what they want to convey with their brand and it was never like that before you know like think about like in the 90s if I was hitting up Sony or someone was like hey like before the internet (laughs) I'm a photographer guy and uh, I would love if they just be like why are you talking to us right now but now like you have so many people it's just you can hit all these new audiences and these new neat, ni- like, you know, like all, every different niche of photography now can be, I don't wanna say exploited, because that's like kind of like a bad word, but you know what I mean? Like, used and taken advantage of
0: in that well, the, the landscape's changed, right? Before we were force fed media from a small group of people. Right. Media has become decentralized, where social media has, has made it available for all of us to consume media from each other. Right. And you have the consumers, which are most people. And then you have the creators, right, that are creating the media that people are consuming. And I think it's important for those people that spend a lot of time on social media, going back to what we were talking about with social media addiction and stuff, remember, remember why you do this and remember who you are. You're a creator. That means you should be spending 80% of your time creating, not consuming. Exactly. And there's a big difference between the, the flip. If you're, if you're creating 20% of the time and most of your time you're just online consuming, you're not a creator. You're consumer. Right. Well, and I
1: also think, you know, there's nothing wrong with like appreciating a bunch of art. For instance, like all the things on my Instagram that I see when I, if I open mine and decide to scroll through, right. it's all usually art based. But at the same time, you, the fact that we're able to intake so much so fast, I think can like put people down in, of expressing their own ideas. Cause like what happens if you're scrolling and you see something that's like similar to an idea you had. It's not the same, but it's similar. And now you get kind of defeated. You're like, oh, well, someone already did it, so why am I going to make it? And I think the like you said, it's limiting that, focusing 80% on grading. There's seven plus billion people on the world. We're naturally going to probably, at some point or another, create something similar to someone else. Right. Like, it's just going to happen. But I don't think you let that stop you. You just keep moving. You just keep creating, keep creating, keep creating, and keep pushing yourself. I mean, if you don't, push yourself and have this desire and need and want to see things bigger not even bigger but just more in depth and how it can really evolve then you you know like i don't know if like uh, it's meant for you to be a creator and that's no disrespect to anyone you know that's wanted but like there does come this like kind of crazy obsession of just wanting to get things out and create and and dive into that world
0: right Well, I think there's also levels of creator. Without a doubt. Right? There's levels of creators. And we won't dive too deep into that today. But there definitely is levels. You know, entry versus professional and everything in between. Right. But back to what you're saying, it is an extremely exciting time to be alive. With all the creating going on, with all the stimulation from just the onslaught of content coming your way... How do you stay inspired in today's world?
1: Um, I mean, for me, the inspiration comes from being able to tell a story. I mean, that's the coolest thing, I think. Being able to tell a story and actually put it out there and share it with the world, having that, those, and that's where, like, the things I do like about social media, having that stuff available to where you can just go out there and share it with an audience, and then that audience, you know, continues to grow, and, um, I've met so many incredible people through creating, you know, I've, I've created work and been able to share it on a platform. You meet someone on the internet and you just start talking to them. The next thing you know, when you're traveling, you're like, Oh, Hey, I'm in New York. And then you actually get to go hang out with that person. And then you get to meet them. and Then you get to see an entirely another perspective and another, you know, side of creativity. And I think the thing is that we lose is in, in that it's still there. And a lot of people still practice this, which is phenomenal is instead of just having these online relationships but making sure you make the effort to meet these people in person and, and get those perspectives, the more time you spend around other creators, it only helps you become a better creator as well.
0: Absolutely, especially if you're hanging out with creators that are better than you. you know, Always. That you look up to. Always, yeah. Uh, creators that you want to learn various things from. and uh,
1: But I would even say, like, if there's, like, a creator that, like... I would, It's also know, the like, energy, too. Right, just right, being, energy, yeah around the energy period but like there's you know people who i'd say were like who are like beginning creators that i've hung out with in the past and even from them i've learned things that i was like because they just especially if they're self-taught they're they might have weird things that they did on their own that they just discovered and you're like oh i never thought to edit something like that and then it's just like i'm gonna add that to my pocket and <laughs> you right. know use that for later so yeah i'm i'm always
0: whatever Some, something to learn from everyone
1: right and i'm always like I'm not ever going to go in there and try and be the the teacher when I hang out. I mean, if someone's going to ask me a question, I'm definitely going to give them my opinion and my advice, but I'm not I'm not saying I'm right every time. Right. And I'm definitely going to be someone, or if I see someone and I like it, I'm going to ask you how you did it and be like, well, I want the breakdown on this because, you know, that that's me showing my appreciation for your work. And naturally, at the same time, I would want to add that weapon to my arsenal as well.
0: Right. So. I love it. Um, what do you think – The state of, like, what do you think collaboration is going to look like over the next decade creatively?
1: I mean, I think it's just going to continue to grow. I think already the collaborations that I see now are, especially just in the photography world, are phenomenal. Just seeing, you know, models, makeup artists, photographers, stylists all come together and sometimes coming together when it's not even, you know, like a paid project, we'll call it, just, you know, it's solely passion-driven and uh, everyone, you know, sacrificing their time and their effort to bring this piece because it's, uh, you know, it brings them happiness. And I think when you're hanging out with a group of people who have a similar mind state in the aspect of creating and wanting to see a project through from beginning to end, there's just this exhilarating feeling that you get that you just don't want to let go. I know, like, when I'm shooting... And especially if I'm doing like a bigger shot and stuff, I don't want the day to end. I just I'm having too much fun. I'm just like, guys, can we stay here for twelve hours and just keep doing this? And you know, I'm sure at times some people don't <laughs> don't want to do that. Right. But I'm. But I, I I I really enjoy it, and I think collaboration is going to be. It's only going to grow. I really do believe that. Um, I think people people just you, you get you just you. Get so much from working with someone else.
0: Well, I think the space is also growing, if that makes sense in a weird way. Like, we, I feel like we've been in this renaissance for years now. Yeah. And we got a long way to go. It's going to be – it's 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 not something that starts and ends quickly. And I think as we get deeper into it, uh, I think a lot of people are shedding the competitive layer. I think there was a time where oh, for the sure. industry as a whole it was so new. And no one wanted to share their secrets. No one wanted to help anyone – people were making money for the first time ever like as creatives and there was a lot of just competition and I feel like uh, a lot of those walls and barriers have been dropping and I think in the next decade we're going to just see tons and tons of collaboration and sharing of knowledge and, and tools and resources and, and that's what's going to allow I think the community and the, the space as a whole to really thrive and that's when I think you'll really see the best Content, the deepest stories, uh, the you know, just epic, epic creations. I think, I think that's yep. when that stuff happens. Is when there's there's true collaboration because it's really difficult to accomplish great things on your own.
1: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, and you know, I mean, most most people, especially like when you're first starting as a creator, um, you still need to have some form of income, so you're probably working a job while creating. So like, time comes into a play. So like you said, doing it by yourself that's just adding more and more time on you, where it's like when you can do it in a collaborative effort and everyone takes a piece to create this thing, it makes it possible then then all of a sudden these creators can, can grow and grow and then next thing you know they start making money and then they don't need to work their job. They leave their job and then they fully invest in themselves and then boom, that's when it goes. And next thing you know you're working for yourself. Right. And it sounds like like, you know, easier said than done, but I promise, you know, if you do it and, and are willing to make sacrifices at different times in your life, it will evolve into something that is beneficial in the long run and brings you substantially more happiness.
0: Oh, yeah. And it compounds over time. That's, that's the thing. Year one as a creative may be difficult, two, like, But just realize the longer you stay in it, the more hours you put in, the more iterations, I should say, you put in your efforts begin to compound and compound and every year you experience more balance, more love, more success, more growth and everything works out as long as you stay focused and, and, and you do all the right things. I mean, I think,
1: you know, and like, even though if those years maybe on like a financial end are tougher, I think in the beginning years though, it's also so exciting and so much fun because let's say you're first learning Photoshop and you're getting better and better I like. I remember around like image like 170 in my 365 project was the first time I felt like I truly edited an image, good. And I looked at it and I was just like this this feeling I got. I'm just like, dang, that's so awesome, you know? Like, and now not like in a cocky sense, but like I I feel pretty confident in my editing style. So I don't get that same that same feeling. I still get the feeling of like when you accomplish something, you're like, yes, that's awesome, I got it out. But like when you kind of surprise yourself, when you're like, whoa, I edited this, this is nuts. Like, you're you're, like, you don't believe it almost. And so like, those are the things that I feel like feed you in the beginning, because you just get this, this love for yourself and your work that you didn't realize, or might not have realized like that you were capable of. And that, you know, every single one of us is capable of doing phenomenal things. It's just the effort that you put
0: forth. It's almost like if you don't have that like, the kid-like stoke is the sign that you're doing the right things. Without a doubt. If you don't have the kid-like stoke, it means that you're not playing enough. You're not trying new things. Right. If, if, if you, like, start to feel complacent with create with creating, all that means is you're doing the same thing over and over and over, which is why it gets it gets dreary. Right. But when you're doing it becomes new work. things and you're playing and you're experimenting and you're thinking outside the box... It's so exciting because you never know what to expect, what might happen. Uh, that's the roller coaster of, of creativity and ideation, you know?
1: Without a doubt. And, you know, on that point, it does. When you start doing the same thing over and over and over, that is what it becomes. It just suddenly – and now you the thing that you started with as a love and a passion has now just become a job. Right. And, like, you don't want that to ever, you know, come to be. Now, don't get me wrong, are there going to be days where – Especially like once you start working, you know, like for clients and you have all this other stuff where um, it can be tedious because you're going to be, let's say, for instance, you know, I've done video edits where I'm up for 16 straight hours just editing. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I'm still having this fun while I'm doing it because I'm trying new things or like, oh, you know, like what about this? And you get so involved in the process. Right. Um, but when you stop, experimenting and trying something new, it definitely will start to get dreary. I mean I've run into that and I think every creator at some point or another will run into it, unfortunately. It just
0: happens. I think that's the that's the that's the grit though, right? Like that's that's what creators do we're builders. Right. And some people may look at like a sixteen hour day as oh my gosh, that's rough. But back to like what I was saying, if you're doing the thing you enjoy and you're being playful it's easy to go and like it's it's easy not to say it's still not exhausting i mean things are things can can be exhausting physically because it's just 16 hours is a right day. that's a long time but mentally as far as stimulation like i mean it's easy right. to get sucked into that vortex of flow and just fall into your work and 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 one and it's, it's it's gratifying when you complete something. Right. You get to build something and see the finished product, and a lot of times you don't want to stop because it's more rewarding to just keep going and to finish. Oh, I mean a perfect
1: example is sometimes where I'll I'll shoot myself in the foot in like a funny way, is I'll be editing a photo, right? And then let's say I have a shoot the next day and it starts at seven, but I'm just in a flow and I'm moving and it's 11 p.m., and I'm like, oh, man, I'm still editing. Now it's midnight, and now it's one, and now it's two. You're not realizing that it's getting later because you're having so much fun. Right. And so then the next thing you know, you only end up getting three hours of sleep, and then you have to go shoot the next day, and you're like, whoops. <laughs> but, but you just get so locked in a flow that you, it's like you can't
0: stop. Right. And, and you can't. I don't. And when inspiration strikes, you always, 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 always take action right always because it's not always there you don't always have that energy and so as creators i've realized in my own experience that we work in sprints yes we work in these high energy sprints and then when you don't have that energy and you don't have that inspiration that's it's time to take a break you finish your sprint you take a break you hang out for a few days whatever it is do different types of things read relax Uh, Love yourself, you know, get a massage, do whatever you do. And then, once you got your energy back and you're feeling good, oftentimes, boom, inspiration and and, and energy strikes and you want to do something again and hit another spread.
1: Exactly. I mean, I ran into that even on this last project with my Stay Inside project. Um, I got to, I think, I had one image left to go with about three weeks left in the year and I was trying to have it done image wise, not the book itself, but all the images done by the end of 2019. But I, I was burnt and I didn't want to just make the last, cause I, I technically have image 50 done. Right. Like, so I know the last image that's going and then there's the one image 49 is missing. Um, but I didn't want to just slap together and put out some image just so I could complete the book. And I knew, I was like, you know what, if I have to just push this all a little bit, then it's just going to get pushed a little bit because I want to do it the right way. Not a way where it's it's rushed and not that it, it would bother me, you know, like to have this book and if I had this one image in there where I'm like, I know that image was a like, you know, just to throw it out so I could have it done. Right, and right. I was like, I'm not going to let that happen. I used to do that a long time ago in my career, and then now I've got you know probably not counting the 365 project, probably like a hundred images out there in the universe that I'd prefer and wish weren't out there because they're just
0: okay. <laughs> right. So it's like an energy thing. I feel like anything that you put a lot of energy into. You normally feel good about it, especially if you know you didn't, you weren't limiting yourself.
1: Right,
0: right. It's hard not to appreciate something that you put a lot of time and energy, and and you didn't hold anything back. You're gonna pretty much enjoy that thing, and you're gonna be proud to put it out because you know, like, hey, I didn't half-ass it. I didn't. I wasn't lazy. I wasn't taking shortcuts. Like, and it wasn't rushed. I think that's the other thing too. This is me. Like, this is my art.
1: Right. Um, And, And don't get wrong, like being a creator and like, that's what I was saying for the different styles of creativity. Right. There's times where you got to rush through some stuff, but that doesn't mean sacrifice the quality. Right. Um, but for this particular project, there's like such an like artistic integrity behind it. And a, and you know, a very deep message that I literally wouldn't have been able to live with myself had there been one image that didn't match the rest.
0: Well, it's almost like that goes back to like, what type of creator are you? Yeah. Depending on the type of creator, you might need to rush everything. Your business right. might rely on getting things out first. If that, if you're like, and news type media exactly. content creation, it's like, hey, like if you're at CES right now, you know who's winning at CES? The guy that's getting content up live to where all the people around the world that are searching for what's happening here are finding these videos. Not the guys that are going to go home and take a week to edit a video and then put their CES recap. Right. You know, the people I mean, that's that are, are putting out not... recaps daily, real time, like you're winning. And yeah. The only way to do that is, you know, oftentimes that mobile workflow helps a lot. Uh
1: yeah, I think when you're shooting events, if you're not putting the content out day of, like let's say for instance today and we were hanging out and all that stuff, if you wanted to win and not it just be like a live stream, it's you shoot a bunch of stuff that's recaps today and you have that edited ready to go by midnight tonight right. and it's out. And then cuz then that you know come tomorrow when all the news articles start writing about it, you have a good chance of like getting that video picked up everywhere because yeah. now you're the only person who put out the recap video. And
0: not all content creators are uh, video like cinematographers. Like So a lot of times a cinematographer will look at a content creator's content and be like, oh, you know, and because they're technical. So they're looking right. at lighting and they're looking at camera movement. But it's like, what does that matter? The content is phenomenal. It was a phenomenal interview or it's a phenomenal uh, educational piece or it was funny, you know, right. and that goes back to, Sometimes you have to rush or get things out or things aren't perfect. And, and I guess content and, and art and everything is changing as a whole. And I feel like a lot of people still judge things, but they judge them for the wrong way. They're judging a guy's comedy skit as if it's supposed to be like some polished, awesome video. It's like, it's not about the video. No, it's, it's not, not about not. The, 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 what lens was used, what camera used. What it's about is the punchline and the joke. Right. Like and that's all I mean, it's I, about. I feel you like know, if,
1: right? it, if we were going to use comedy as the example the main thing that I would invest in would just be, um, let's say, if you're recording videos, is a good mic. Because if you're audio driven, like that's which was what that would be, right. um, you can get any kind of camera. You can record that on your phone. Right, have right. a good mic, you know, and, and do your jokes. Because you don't; it doesn't need to be shot on some high-end fancy camera and like look like you know this is a Netflix. I have
0: to say that it can't. No,
1: no. I mean, there's nothing wrong with more there's or less nothing, nothing wrong with content either one. is content,
0: right? Create what you can create with the resources you have. Never let lack of resources keep you from creating something because, at the end of the day, content reigns supreme. Story reigns supreme over quality, over creativity. Story. And to,
1: to add on to that, I mean, I think, especially right now, playing back into the streaming services, there is such a need for good stories. Mm-hmm. We're getting a lot of mediocre stories right now especially like on the streaming service like you know television shows like just because there's so many there's such a need for it so if you have the way to develop a unique and cool story I mean you'll win I mean a, a good story like will always you know trump a bad story every single time I agree even if the bad story shot all pretty done like to the highest level but if you have like one that maybe it's a little not doesn't visually look as good as the other one has like a little bit of flaws but the story is incredible the story will win right
0: yeah so I want to chat with you a little bit about social media real quick yeah. because you got you know like 80 almost 90,000 followers on Instagram I mean you got amazing photographs on here. like what you know what you take 36,000 likes 600 something plus comments how did you go about building such a strong and engaged brand and community around your body of work uh, how do you think that came about? Whether you consciously were making these choices or uh, because of the way that you built your career, like you know, how did this all come about? You think?
1: Um, I mean, in all honesty, all of the like interaction and you know, following and all that stuff that all happened this in well last year of 2019. Um, and I'm not like someone that really. I'm. How do I put this? Because it's it's like you're both. I'm not like a like chaser or anything like that, you know, like because uh, when I make the work, when I was especially like when I was coming out of my depression at the end of 2018, which was like the lowest ever. Mm-hmm. And when I started putting this work out, it was just more of, hey, this is the story I'm going to tell. And if you want to join, that's awesome. And when people comment in, on it, one of the things that I like to do is, and that's what I was saying, I'll take an hour out of my day when I make the post in the morning and I'll write back to everyone that starts commenting because I kind of look at it as if you're going to take the time out of your day to write something, that you know, kind about my work, I'm going to take the time out of my day to respond to like, let you know, like, hey, I heard you and I'm really appreciative of that. And then right. like get connected with you. And then, you know, sometimes you'll even get people who want to, I, I wouldn't say hate on, but like, you know, are going to disagree with you or like not whatever. And I'm going to talk to that person too, because a lot of times um, if, if someone's calling, you know, like kind of like with a crappy intent of just like trying to bring you down. If you're nice to them and you talk to them, it's usually that can switch. And the next thing you know, that person's following you and they're like, all right, your work's awesome. And it's just from just, you know, right. not getting offended. Cause like, especially like with my style of work, I can't tell you how many times like people are like, Oh, that, that that's not for me. Right. You know, it's, and
0: so, dark it's or... so
1: dark. I mean, uh, which I I'm... don't
0: know why people shy away from, from, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's just like this thing that we, the story we tell ourselves, like bad things are evils, bad, and that, and it's not even evil. It's like no, it's just,
1: I mean, nothing in my
0: work, just because it's not butterflies and rainbows, doesn't mean like it's even like,
1: yeah, you know. I, I mean, in my work, it's never meant to be like something where like I'm trying to spread negativity or evil or anything like that. For me, like especially when I did this project, it wanted to be the sobering truth. And sometimes, like when you. To get like a message across and actually have it sink into someone's eyes, mm-hmm. I can't present it to you in like the, the the like, hey, like this, like you know, times are rough in the world, but it's okay. Like check out this image. Like sometimes I'm just like, look, this is the reality, and now you see it. Like what are you going to take from it? Are you going to make a change, or are we going to continue to do the same thing? Right. For instance, like like some of my pictures, like there's but I more. love that.
0: It's just, it's just thought provoking. It's like I'm not right. here to preach. I'm not here to tell you to do this. All I'm saying is, think this about is this. Is. This is right. what it is hopefully this image inspires you to take some type of action whether it's physically reading mentally you know intellectually whatever that's the whole goal
1: exactly i mean the the biggest thing i mean i think besides it just being a reflection of self on this last project was telling a story that people can walk away with something or they can walk like you said like it, whether it makes you do something or if it stops you for just a minute and you actually instead of just like fire emoji heart emoji i'm out like right. you stop and you actually think for a second you go oh this like pertains maybe to how i feel or you know like kind of back on that uh, alone in a crowded room feeling you know you're looking at this image and you're like dang i can relate to that maybe next time i'm in a crowded room like i make the effort even as awkward or as like nervous as you'll be is just to say hello to someone right. and see where it goes like don't be afraid of the adventure of where life the unpredictability of life um, but back to what you were saying in the sense of like growing the following and stuff like that, definitely engaging for me, mm-hmm. what worked was engaging with the audience as people started writing back to me, writing to and, them. And not
0: just the following, your brand, like right. just your brand as a whole.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, a lot of it was engaging with other people It's social right. media. So be social. And then, um, I definitely took advantage of Instagram's promotions, yeah. so I think that's. If but talk you,
0: about how you post. Like your posting schedule. You're not. Oh, right. You're not just hacking content daily and tossing up any old photo. You're putting out one. You know, like tel-
1: yeah. So it's it's one photo a week, and then for instance, I've skipped days. Like today would normally have been a day because today's Tuesday. So it's every Tuesday at nine fifteen a.m. Pacific Standard Time is when I post, right. and um, it's and I found for my particular style of content that I make. It's better to let it sit and resonate with people for you know a week, and then you give them another one. So you mm-hmm. start to build this. Oh well, I know Kevin's putting out a new photo on Tuesday, so you kind of give like your audience just like like a network with a TV show. You give them this thing to look forward to for the following week. Um, but again, that's going to pertain to the creator because there is some creators where like they want to see stuff three times a day, right. and and you know they're looking you know to that. I think of um comedy creators i feel like that to be a comedic creator it's tough cuz i feel like you got to be putting out content pretty damn consistently almost every day just if you want people to keep coming back and keep being like oh yeah this is a great hilarious you know i follow for instance uh this one guy his name's corporate bro and it's all about corporate style uh comedy and he's pretty consistent and it's hilarious
0: i think I think every like the schedule depends on the person. Right? A doubt. Like you're once a week because you could do a comedy daily, right? Or you could do comedy one time a year and drop a ninety-minute right. stand-up comedy special that you recorded. Great production, and it's hilarious, and it goes ham, right? And that's all you know what I mean. And so I think it's almost like frequency is dependent upon almost like value without a doubt the more valuable something is that the lower the frequency is going to be the less valuable something is the higher the frequency
1: right. has to be and i mean another thing that i realized pertaining to my stuff was with um using instagram promotions it's kind of like you kind of contradict yourself if, if this is kind of speaking from like again my work and the art this doesn't apply to everyone right. but like if I'm running a promotion on one of my posts to post the very next day with something else is just kind of not really benefiting the fact that like, why am I paying money to produce, like to promote this post then? Because like I've essentially just thrown it down the gutter and in, in the algorithm right. because now I have a new post that Instagram's going to be like, Hey, I need to show this to everyone, you know, cause this is new. Mm. Whereas when you leave that one and it starts gaining more through your promotion, you start gaining more likes and comments it's going to keep that relevancy up. So then like, let's say there's someone who follows me because you know, with the algorithm, you mm. only a fraction of your followers are actually seeing what you're posting. But now let's say there's a follower who hasn't seen my work in a few months, but because it's gained some traction and it's been out for two days, they might just show it in their newsfeed. Right. And even though it'll say two days ago was when it posted, it'll be like when they open their Instagram, boom, it's right there. Right. Cause I've even noticed that on mine where I'll open it and there'll be times where it's a page that I, I forgot that I even followed, and then all of a sudden, it's like I see a post. And I'm like, "Oh, that's amazing!" And it's like it was posted three days ago, and I'm like, "Well, that's weird." And then you scroll down, and the very next post is like posted 11 minutes ago from someone else. Right. So that's how you see the relevancy of something sticking around.
0: Do you um, do you just run like your promotions to your followers? Or are you running them to like custom audiences? I do both. Okay. Yeah, I
1: definitely. I mean, the as your, your fan base continues to grow, it's great to be able to actually serve all of them um, because, I mean, the, the algorithm really does just crush the percentages. So if you just do... So
0: what have you seen personally? Like, what's a typical... How much money are you putting behind like a promoted post typically and, like, what,
1: anyway, what increase do you... Yeah, use? my... my So I've, I've done tests. So, like, if I don't put any money into it, I would say my posts will average... Um, like on a like sense, it could be as low as like 1800 to as high as like 4,000 would be no money. Right. Um, if I put money in, then you start seeing the increase because it's just sticking around. And that's like why I'm getting into the twenties and 30 thousands, you know, of likes and crossing five, 600 comments per post right. just because there's money in it. Like, because I look at you know people. But what who, is that?
0: What are you putting behind the post? Like, is that five bucks? Is that a thousand oh, no, no. uh, dollars? Like <laughs> so
1: I do I do uh, anywhere from eighty to a hundred dollars a photo. Gotcha. And because I'm only doing four photos a month, and I look at it like um like a car bill or something yeah, like it's that. An investment. It's an investment because the the ROI that I get from what I sell in my store and you know like what it does for me and like jobs it helps me get through my work, getting seen by more people and getting shared by more people right. all ends up like making that cost actually like, cause when people hear that, they're like, Holy crap, a hundred dollars for a post. That's so much. And you're but like, I think you
0: value your work though. Like I it's do, like, yeah. you, if, if you were just putting out whatever daily photo, I oh, guarantee you, I wouldn't, would I wouldn't, no, no way.
1: And it's because of that. It's like, I'm only putting a photo out once a week. So I'm not like, you know, You know, if I mean, I think, though, if you're someone who puts out content all the time, it's still not a bad idea to maybe look at like three bucks, five bucks. You'll get a little bump and maybe target not just your audience. That was when I would target like um, depending on what you are, you know, like if you're looking for like very local, centralized stuff like. I live in Los Angeles. If I only want Los Angeles people to follow me, I can target it that way. Right. But it's gonna you're gonna be paying a lot for those clicks. A lot of money. Right. Especially like depending on like the hashtags you're using to target. Like if you're doing like photography and Photoshop and stuff like that, um, uh, I promise you there's major companies out there that will bid you into the ground. So right. you're gonna pay like you'll do five dollars and if you do those, you'll see that like four dollars was one click, and you're just like, oh. I got a like from it. Yay. Right. Um, so I target um, when I'm trying to grow. The best thing to do is targeting countries that are in what you want, but maybe aren't America per se. Like right. I'll always put America on there. And then I'll do posts where I'll promote just to America to boost that because that's where I live. But like some countries I love advertising in is – and like would have helped me in print sales is New Zealand, Australia, the United Kingdom, mm. Canada, uh, Germany. I mean and because you know, I speak English, a lot of the times what I do is I try to pertain to countries that also speak English so they can read my message and all that.
0: But all right. it try. Tra- you should dude I mean if you're only writing one sentence captions and stuff, you should you should test translating your content into right. the native tongue of Germany or you know, India or whatever it may be and, and see how that goes. That'd be an interesting test. I mean, yeah,
1: and yeah, and I've and I've definitely thought about that too as well. Um because I also have like a pretty large fan base uh in Mexico as well. Mm-hmm. And so like, I've definitely thought about, and just cause like I have background heritage there. So like, I've always thought about like trying to incorporate Spanish as well into it. Um, right. but that's down the line. I've, I've got Rosetta stone. I'm still working on, uh, <laughs> being able to speak Spanish. So hopefully that that's actually on my, t- no joke in my notebook. If I showed you right now, that is one of my 2020 goals is learn how to speak Spanish.
0: Dude, I love it. Uh, Kevin, it's been really, really great chatting with you. Uh, to wrap up the podcast, would you like to share uh, some words with the AOV community?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know what I'd even say. What, what does one say? Any, just leave them <laughs> with
0: something inspirational. Leave them on a, leave them on a high note, baby. A uh, high note. 2020, um, 2020 I mean, vision.
1: 2020, I think, if every person that's a creator would just strive to learn, you know, like, five to ten new things this year and implement them in your work, I think... Uh, if you truly commit to that, and not just like little things, like something that's like, you know, a little bit of an un, like an undertaking, like you take mm-hmm. this on, you're like, okay, here we go. I think the rewards and the gratification it'll bring you, you'll, it, it, I mean, that's how it started for me. The more things I just started learning and add, adding, it just felt like the, the door gets bigger, right. if that makes any sense. Like it's just well, suddenly you're just like, oh, wow, this is easier now to break into because I have so many things that I can offer as when you're limited, you don't have as much to offer. so just learn don't and don't take the perception that you know everything just always be the student but you know still take your knowledge and help other people that need to learn as well but always take the mindset as we're all students and we can all learn from each other
0: ladies and gentlemen Kevin the kid at K-A-E-A-N T-H-E K-I-D Kevin the kid Make sure to follow him on Instagram and check him out. His work is amazing. And uh, be sure to share this episode with your friends. Anyone that you guys know that you think would enjoy listening to this episode or get any value out of this, make sure you're to share it, subscribe, like, all that good stuff. And we'll catch you guys next time on the A&E podcast.
1: Heck yeah. Seriously. <laughs>
0: Today's episode is brought to you by MSI. MSI recently released the all-new Creator 17 laptop, the first mini LED display of its kind. Basically, it delivers high-quality, true-to-life color accuracy for visual artists that you won't find in another laptop. If you're a content creator looking for a device to bring your creations to life, look no further than the MSI Creator 17.